Welcome to the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I interview business leaders who are committed to their own growth and the development of everyone on their team. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to another episode of the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I so enjoy bringing to you people who are really committed to their own development and also committed to the development of the people on their team or in their entire organization. And we've got someone like that today. Before I introduce him, I want to just mention that our company is also focused on developing strong leaders. And we produce tools and books to help people connect more effectively with each other at work. And you can learn more about us at growstrongleaders.com. Today, I have such a treat for you in store uh, with my guest, Will Leahy. Will, welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here, Meredith. Oh, well, you know, well, we had such a great conversation earlier, and there's so much about who you are and what you're doing that I can't wait to share with my um, listeners today. And before we get into that conversation, I want to tell them a little bit about you. Will is the Senior Director of Learning and Talent at GoDaddy. Most of you are very familiar with that site. And throughout his career at companies like Virgin Orbit, Hulu, and LinkedIn, I found a common thread, and that is one that is near and dear to my own heart. Will has a passion for developing strong leaders who help others thrive and realize their full potential. And today we're going to be talking about how he's done that at GoDaddy. So Will, rather than jumping immediately to GoDaddy, tell us a little bit about your journey getting there. What were some of your experiences like? Well, um, first off, thanks for having me on the show. It's it's a pleasure to be here and just to be in proximity with you and spend some time and talk about my journey a little bit, which has been a, a bit of a weird one. I got my start in recruitment. I was in a tiny little cubicle that said, smile and dial on it. And I was making 200 outbound calls a day, trying to just recruit folks in New Jersey. It's a long story, but I, I got my start just just trying to connect talent with opportunity. And um, it was interesting, but I remember asking my boss, hey, is there any onboarding or training for folks here? Uh, no. Can, can I build that? And I just found myself naturally getting into the training and talent development space and moved to another company. And it happened again. I moved to LinkedIn and I asked if I could do onboarding and training and eventually got a yes. And so my journey has just been trying to find my way. And I believe that my purpose in life is to help human beings get just 1% better every day. If you can just get a little bit better at what you do every day. And I've been fortunate for companies to give me the opportunity to do that. I went back to school and had the opportunity to really invest in myself and my learning journey and ultimately led me to working in uh, LinkedIn at a TV company like Hulu that's putting TV on the internet and a rocket factory like Virgin Orbit and then ultimately to GoDaddy where I get to lead a team of folks that believe in the same thing I do. Let's make human beings happier and more successful at work and the jobs that they do. And that is a reason for me to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that's why 
um, my listeners who are familiar with my own passion about helping people become their very best know that this is just going to be a great conversation. So, well, let's think about when you went to GoDaddy, what was it like in terms of leadership development? Was there anything in place and what did you discover? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I had actually previously, when I was working at Virgin Orbit in a rocket factory, I had the opportunity to build their leader development programming. I got to spend some time with Richard Branson, who is a hero of mine, get his perspective and all that was, was I got to do it. And so I, I built some interesting experience in that field. So when GoDaddy hired me, that was a massive need of theirs. And I, I, I'll be honest with everyone, I took a bit of a professional risk. I came to GoDaddy not leading a team, which is something I was previously doing, and really helping to build something from scratch. And for me as a human, that's exciting. I'm a designer. It's interesting. But it, there's also some fear there of, is this going to work? Is there interest in this? Is there going to be investment? Am I going to get people to, to lean in? Luckily, that's been the case. Uh, but my my beginning of my journey at GoDaddy was a massive design process to figure out one core question, which is, what does it mean to be a leader at GoDaddy? And if I could answer that, only then could I start to build our leadership philosophy and then ultimately the curriculum that supports it, which is what I've been doing the last almost three years. And not just me, I didn't have a team. Now I have a large team, which is cool. I've been invested in. And really, those are the folks on my team that have brought that to life uh, even more. So that's where I started. And we're still working it. We're still learning. We're still trying. So that one question that you asked, what does it mean to be a leader at GoDaddy? I want to know, who did you ask that question of? Did you start yeah. at the very top with the yes. CEO and interview yeah. other senior leaders? And what were the answers they gave you? Yeah, uh, I did. So I actually went straight to the top, um, which that's always a fun thing to ask for in your first week is can I have time with a CEO? And uh, I got a yes extraordinarily fast. And our, our CEO, Aman Bhutani, who's absolutely sensational, was also relatively new at the time. And the reason that my headcount became available is because he had noticed that leadership was a gap and that investment was something that needed to be made. So getting that meeting and, and conversation was actually really easy. And the conversation was was something I won't forget, actually. I, I Nice to meet you. What does it mean to be a leader at GoDaddy? Let's just jump right in. What does that mean to you? He's a storyteller. He, he uh, is an intellectual mind. And said, I believe people should get just a little bit better every day. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, that's my philosophy. But what does that actually mean? <laughs> can we can we dig in and take that a step further? And we had a really good conversation about the behaviors needed right now on planet Earth for tech companies to retain great talent, for people to want to continue to work and do their best work at a company. And it's things like humility, vulnerability, humanness, kindness, collaboration, psychological safety, trust, leading through transition and change. And we had a great conversation about what those behaviors are. And then he said, go figure it out. So I brought that, I did focus groups, interviews, met with VPs, but that is interesting. But I want to know what the people feel. I want to know what individual contributors wish they were feeling from their managers. I went on a world tour that took over a probably a month and a half, almost two months, just learning and listening and collecting data, looking at past 
surveys, looking at past engagement scores, and really collecting my thoughts to actually go back to the CEO and to the chief people officer, Monica Bailey, and say, here's my recommendation. Here's where I think we should start. Here's what this could and should look like. Do you have some feedback for me? And then it was a design journey from there, a lot of experimentation, piloting, testing, stubbing our toe, as I call it, like, ooh, that didn't work, and ultimately built something I'm really proud of. Well, let's talk about that. Talk about what you named it and why you came up with that name. What is that meaning for you and for the people who participate? Yeah, it had two names. And uh, <laughs> it, it, I, <laughs> this is so Will. I test something and I just throw a name on it and I get feedback and it changes. In fact, side story, my daughter had a different name until she was six weeks old. And I thought, you know what? That's not right. You look like something else. We ultimately changed her name to Lake. So this is very on brand for me to start with a different name, even at home. And so it started out called LSOC, which doesn't really roll off the tongue, which is the feedback we got, but it means leading yourself leading others, leading culture. So the whole premise of this program is first, you must be able to lead yourself. It is self-awareness. How are you? What are your stress behaviors? How are you managing yourself through chat? How are you getting yourself through the change curve before? So it's all about self-awareness. And we have a lot of great assessments and works that help give leaders that gift. I call it a gift of self-awareness. And I say all the time, the best leaders I've ever met are ones that are wildly self-aware. Then you can lead others. This is one-on-one, human-to-human interaction, which is so much of leadership are these one-on-one conversations, the coaching, the feedback. And then the best leaders are ones that really lead culture. Other leaders look at them and say, that's the type of leader I want to be. That's the person I will follow into the whatever it is, the change, the challenges. And I trust and believe in that vision. And so that's the leading self, leading others, leading culture. But LSOC didn't really roll off the tongue so well. So from there, we we did a bit of a rebrand and we, we changed it to Everyday Leaders. And we kept that as our philosophy, the LSOC, but Everyday Leaders really means that every moment you have as a leader, every single time you interact with another person on your team or otherwise, it's an opportunity to show up as a leader. It's an opportunity to show up and live our culture and the leadership behaviors that we've outlined in every interaction. I'm doing that with you right now, Meredith. I'm thinking about it. Am I, am I doing all of those things? And it's really hard, but every moment's an opportunity, even a Slack message is an opportunity for leadership. So Everyday Leaders uh, really tries to encompass that language of getting better every day. Leadership is every day, but we still have that philosophy of leading yourself, others, and culture as well. That's great. I love that. Yeah, I do like this new name better. <laughs> yeah, everyone does. Everyone, well, we, but the cool thing was, is we got everyone's socks. Everyone that graduated this program, it's an eight-week intensive boot camp, and LSOC got socks. So it's funny. It's like, you know, you get your LSOC socks. Now we've got to get rid of those. It makes no sense anymore, but those are a, like a rare item. Any leader that has those socks, it's kind of like a something cool that that no one else gets to have. So anyway, we're trying to figure out what our new swag is for, for graduates of this new program. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm curious, you mentioned it being eight weeks. I'd love for you to talk about how did you go about creating the structure that it has in terms of the content and the length of the program? And as an add-on, what kind of follow-up do you do afterwards? Because you and I both know training alone, you know, classroom sessions are not going to create 
long-term behavior change. And I know that that reinforcement part and follow-up is important to you too. You are so right. It is the bane of my existence. (laughs) It's just not the way human brains work. You don't just hear something in a classroom and all of a sudden I'm a amazing negotiator. Just it's not how it works. It takes practice. It takes pain. Learning is pain. I say that I'm real about that. And so we've created a program that's hard, that is uncomfortable. And it also recognizes that we all have full-time jobs and we have to balance our learning journey with what goals we have to execute on day to day. And so the eight week curriculum boot camp does not mean that you're out of the, the game for eight weeks. We're typically together for about two hours per week over eight weeks. And what happens is you will learn something in the first hour, you will get some information. And then from there, you're really practicing it. And then before we meet the next week, you have a lot of homework to bring back to your team. You have to try the framework you've learned. You have to test it with your team. You have to go and do something. When you come back the next week to learn something else, we actually start by holding you accountable and asking how it went. What was hard? What did you learn by trying this new tool or trying this new feedback method, or you went and had a coaching conversation because you learned how to be a coach. You practiced it with your peers in the room. And then as homework, you went and did this with your team. How did it go? And so that reinforcement happens week over week, but by having that, that bucket of time over eight weeks, you can hold people accountable. The other reason for that format that I love is we are missing that human connectivity. In, in a more virtual world. It's still possible. This program is fully virtual, but it creates proximity and togetherness over eight weeks where from day one to the last day at week eight, people are just more connected. The room feels different. Friendships and bonds were made. We lean into team building and connective exercises. That is one of the best unintended benefits of a program like this. And so that's sort of how some of the decision-making was made. Um, We also have additional bolt-on classes and things that people can do as alumni. So after you're an alumni of the program, we test everything on you. Every new curriculum, every new course. We have a brand new course on how to to make constructive debate in a room, which is something that we're leaning into at GoDaddy right now. And guess who gets that first? All of our alumni. And so that's a way we keep them together, keep them learning. We also do follow-up part twos, and and we use that group to also disseminate things to their teams and to try things. So everyone needs to know how to have a difficult conversation. So we help those leaders teach that to their teams as well to keep them fresh on the content. Mm, I like that, that they become the teachers of the same content they've just gone through. Right. It just makes so much sense, doesn't it? Because then the team members aren't wondering where did that come from? You know, what so that, and also it seems to me you're helping to, you know, spread throughout the organization, the culture you want to create by the skills that these leaders are learning and now modeling and, and also teaching. I think that's so smart. I forgot to ask you up front, how many, people total are in GoDaddy and how many have gone through the program so far? Yeah, it's a great question. So we have about getting close to 10,000 employees at GoDaddy, which is wild. Um, And right now we have about 1,500 or so people leaders. We've gotten roughly 500 through the program. 
And it's a slow burn. Our, our team is small. It's an intensive program for our team. Uh, and so we're just chipping away at it. And we're trying to get through as many leaders. We also have a new manager onboarding that does um, some virtual components of this class. So when you're a new leader, either promoted or new to the company, we get you some of this content mm-hmm. in an accelerated format as quickly as we can. And then we get you into this program. But we do try and run it with intact teams. So these are leaders that typically are in the same team. They work together on a regular basis. But we also have a calendar method where any of these courses are open to any people leader that wants to sign up. So we have some cohorts of folks that are totally across the company. We're just trying to hit it as many ways as we can and get as many people through this as possible. That's great. So let's talk about some examples yeah. of how leaders behave differently once they've gone through your program. What yeah. are some issues or behaviors that maybe cause problems before they went through it? And then how do they change and become more effective? Yes. So I'll tell you the, um, we choose to call them leadership behaviors. And so I wouldn't say there, you still oftentimes see leadership competencies. We pretty much just laid out, this is what we're asking you to do and how to behave. And we measure that we measure their confidence before we measure their confidence in some of these behaviors after. We measure all of their direct reports if they've seen changes 60 days after in these behaviors. And that's such a beautiful measure. And actually 76% say yes, that they do, which is such an awesome statistic. We also look at retention of leaders that have been through the program versus that haven't. How often did they stay with us? And the attrition is actually sliced almost exactly in half. Of, of leaders that have been through this program that haven't. So we're seeing some really good data, but the behaviors that we're, we're trying to improve are strength-based leadership. And that means leaders that are highly self-aware of what their strengths are and lean into their strengths. So that's part of our philosophy around self-awareness, emotional intelligence, building trust, leading virtually, something that creating a, a virtually inclusive environment which is really important right now, as everybody knows, delivering feedback, effective coaching, difficult conversations, leading through change and strategic decision-making. And you can bucket each of these courses and curriculum against leading yourself, leading others and leading culture. Those buckets we've talked about, anything we build has to fit into that philosophy in some way. So we measure how they do that, how their teams think they act in that way before, after, we uh, do a lot of assessments throughout to see how they're tracking in their knowledge. Are they able to, to prove to us that they understand co- coaching methodology, for example? And our hope at the end of the day is that their direct reports feel a difference and that they're feeling more engaged in the downstream impact of their leadership. Um, our engagement survey year over year, and most specifically this last year, uh, we work with a consultant at Harvard that sort of helps us structure some questions to our employees, came up with manager support being the most, uh, the second most important thing for all of our employees at GoDaddy. And so that means that this work we're doing is hypercritical and our direct reports should be feeling the downstream effect of this program if it's working. And so that's something we work really hard to measure and fine tune and ensure that they're getting some of this knowledge downstream. Mm-hmm. That's great. So what are some stories you've heard from either participants in how they've shared how they've handled something differently than they might have in the past, or one of their direct reports that may have shared something that they've experienced that was positive? 
Yeah. I mean, this is the, the best part of my job is when you actually hear or see a success story. You have someone say, I had a really great experience going and trying one of these tools, or I just had my first coaching conversation with my manager since I've worked at GoDaddy and I feel crazy invested in right now. One thing we hear about all the time, because I love GoDaddy, it is a wonderful company. If anyone listening to this is thinking about working at another company, go to our page and look at our jobs. It's a wonderful company to work. One of the things about GoDaddy is it's extremely nice. People are so kind to each other. It is a very kind place to work. The flip side of that, though, is we're not great at having difficult conversations. It's a muscle that we're continuing to try to grow. And with our leaders, we spend a lot of time getting comfortable with, hey, having a difficult conversation actually improves your relationship. And if I had to say where we see our biggest bulk of success stories are people that have come back and said, I was really brave today, Will. And I went and had that conversation. I used that framework that I've just been avoiding for the past year. And oh, the by the way, I did this with my family too at home. I had a conversation with my sibling that I've been putting off for years. And I feel like a weight, like an elephant on my chest has just been lifted off. I can breathe again. And I, I, I can't wait to do this again. Those are the types of stories that wow, this is making a difference. Or when we do our strength finder assessment, we use a couple of different assessments. We use the EQI, we use strength finder, we use insights. And someone says, I, I didn't, I understand myself. I know who I am. I didn't realize why I was acting that way. And I have now the common language to share that I am really hyper-disciplined and that's how I show up. And that's why I can be really heads down sometimes. And I'm not standoffish. I'm just super focused or people have the language to talk about themselves in that way. Those are just the human success stories of mental shifts or paradigm shifts that actually can change someone's life, their success or how they show up. And I sit, I sit there after a, a everyday leader's cohort and I go through the feedback at the end and I get my cup of coffee and I just settle in and I just love reading it. It's always the best part of my week. And by the way, there's super constructive things in there that we could do better, that people didn't like, or that we should change. But more so, the stories I get to hear are just wonderful. I love the passion you have. I love it. <laughs> well, you do. It comes through loud and clear. And that I know is one of the big reasons you are so successful because people feel that from you, that how much you really care. It's not lip service. It's not just saying, here's what we're doing. You're living and breathing it yourself. And I think that's Thank you. There was a phrase you used earlier that I loved and I wrote it down uh, around self-awareness. You said, those that are wildly self-aware, <laughs> and I've never heard those words put together. I love it because I think that you're really onto something there. And I would like you to go a little bit deeper on what, what do you mean by that, first of all? And why does that make such a big difference for someone, in a, especially in a leadership role? Yeah, um, this is the topic that I could talk about for hours. So I'm going to try not to, but it is... Uh, the best leaders, and I'll say it again, I said earlier that I've ever worked with or seen are ones that are wildly self-aware because I have news for everybody. There is no perfect leader. There's no perfect human. We are all bundles of imperfection and we're all getting up and trying to do our best and managing our lives. 
And the, the hard work that we have to do as human beings is to understand here are where my natural talents are. Here are the things that I just naturally flow out of me. And here are the things that don't. Here are the things that bring me stress. Here are the things that I am less comfortable with or in. And it's not an effort in focusing on those things and improving them, actually. In fact, I would go far to say that's a waste of your time. I tell anybody that is so hyper-focused on their weaknesses, I'll put in air quotes, that they're neglecting that actually where you do your best work is when you're leaned into your strengths. And so what I try and provide through different assessments or coaching conversations to leaders is just that awareness. So I'll speak for myself. I am not detail-oriented at all. It is really quite sad to watch me try and put together like an itinerary. Oh my gosh, it's it's wild. And I could sit there and try and get better at that, that skill, just detail orientation. I really could. I could spend months on it. And it would be like switching and trying to write with your non-dominant hand. It's painful. It's weird. It feels awkward. And ultimately you could do it for months and it doesn't get much better. You're just exhausted and you're frustrated. Or you can partner with somebody that has all of those opposing strengths. That's my wife. <laughs> that is exactly who I married is the most detail-oriented person. You should see our spice rack at home. I mean, everything is perfectly labeled. It blows my mind. And so I, I offer that to leaders is, you, is the self-awareness, it can hurt. It can be a painful journey to, to really look at those things. But what scares people off from that is, oh, now I got to go get better at that. It's actually not the truth. Just communicating it, saying, hey, by the way, team, I'm not the most detail-oriented person in the world. I'm going to drop the ball in the details sometimes. I'm going to ask that you lift me up and help me. And I promise I will do my best and I'll take your feedback. But that's just something you should know about me. But here are some things that I'm really great at are big picture vision and inspiration. Those are things that, whoo, I'll get you fired up. And if we can work together, and if that's not your strength, that's awesome. It's going to be a dream team. That's what leadership is. It's not focusing on weaknesses and not doing that to your team. When you're going through feedback cycles and performance reviews, that's the philosophy that I think uh, gets your team further. And so that wild self-awareness is uh, a painful journey, but boy, is it one worth going on. And actually, the the hard part is the awareness. It's not having to change yourself. Um, it's, it's leaning into your strengths. Mm -hmm. That willingness to look. Yeah, and, yes, that. You know, what... What, what happens if I peel under this? And you know, yes. you just shared that I think is so important is that willingness to just acknowledge yeah. who I am, you know, warts and all. Yes. And all, so that somebody, well, first of all, everybody else already knows we're not perfect. You yeah. Know? And so when we're willing to admit it ourselves, I think it gives people a sense of freedom to be honest about their own strengths and own areas where they're not, you know, excelling and could use some additional help. And, and it creates to me an environment for people just to be real with each other. Yes. Who yes. We're wearing these masks. Of who yes. Supposed to be. Well, it's changed. So you're so spot on. I used to do presentation skills, coaching and leadership stuff five, six, seven, eight years ago. And it's changed so much. We were looking for stoicism as a leader, inflappability. We're looking for executive presence and we're looking at 
extraordinary hard work, inflexible, I'm the hardest worker. And those were what dominated what good leadership looks like. And so little of that is still true. People are looking for vulnerability and humanness and honesty and transparency from leaders and the flaws and openness because the secret's out. We're all flawed. And so leaning into that and sharing it can feel scary and counter to what we were maybe taught in previous leadership circles or worlds. And I'm so excited and interested in breaking that down. And I've talked a lot about in, in previous videos and talks and, and speaker circuit things I've done about how executive presence is dead as a term. Like, bye-bye, it's over. No one, we, I, I refuse to use it anymore. It's about humanness and telling stories in a vulnerable way and sharing. And I, I really tried to infuse this in this leadership program and in the self-awareness and how we talk about leadership. It's about making people feel included and belonging and kindness. And you can do all of that and still get peak performance from your team. Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? You can do that. You can have both, which is awesome. You know, I was talking to someone recently that said the key thing she learned in interviewing lots and lots of people was that people want to know that they are cared about. Yes. And and this whole thing you're saying, well, I would love for you to explain what distinction you make about the term executive presence that causes you to say, let's not use that anymore. What what are the implications with that phrase that you feel are negative? Yeah, I think there is a lot, well, I know there's a lot of risk for for bias in the term of executive presence. So oftentimes what that means is talk like me, sound like me, be more like me, and be devoid of the things that make you quirky or silly or different or unique because executive presence is oftentimes formulaic. And I know this because I used to teach it. And it's about how you stand and the way that you speak. And and some of those things will reign true if you want your message to be heard. But I believe it is is laden with bias. And quite frankly, it's not what the audience wants anymore. It's awfully robotic and less interesting. Um, People want to hear about your kids or your family or the vacation that you went on and what lights you up. And uh, if you're less polished in air quotes, great. Be your quirky self. And people actually really appreciate that today. And I love it. Um, I encourage everyone on my team to be their weird self. That's what I say. Just be weird. Like we're all weird. Humans are weird. Be your weird self. And I, I would never give somebody feedback of um, executive presence or polish in the same way. It's about being heard. And the way to be heard is for people to feel like they belong and they're included. And that is a much better journey to go on. Mm-hmm. Well, this is so great. I could talk to you all day. Great. We can't do that. And so I wondered if there's anything I haven't asked you about that you're especially excited about what you're doing that you'd love my audience to hear about. Yeah, um, I I'll, I'll just say um, I'm really excited about the way that how we talk about talent is changing, and how 
the focus is moving and moved to the voice of the employee. And I really recommend as many listening mechanisms as possible to truly listen to what your employees want and need and get them excited. And I could talk all day about the mechanisms we use. We have a lot of surveys and focus groups and one-on-ones and listening sessions and fireside chats and all kinds of ways to collect that data. But I'm surprised every time. For example, we just did this uh, uh, a round of this at, at GoDaddy and um, connectedness, feeling connected was towards the bottom of the list of what people are interested in now. And I, I just I kind of had to pause and say, wait, but what do, what do we mean? How, how is that possible? And we're, I thought we were all feeling so unconnected. And it just, it surprises you. And if you really take the time to listen, you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? What do people actually need? And of course, things like flexibility at the top, relationship with my manager, you always hear compensation, you hear, but uh, being connected to the mission was lower than it has been in past years. And so whatever it is, and it'll be different for your company or wherever you work, it's always different and it depends on your culture, but just truly listening to that and making that the basis of the work that you do, that is where the magic happens. It's not easy. It takes extra work. Um, You can assume what people want or need and you'll almost always be wrong. I have found that. And so we're really enjoying this process of listening um, right now and designing from that place. Um, And the other thing that I think is super important that I'll just share is uh, finding whoever your your, um, diversity, equity, belonging, brilliant minds are within your organization. And if you're in the learning and talent space, really partnering with them and getting their TLC on every program and work that you do. Because the success of your program actually hinges on people feeling like they're a part of it and they're represented and they're heard. And that is work that takes a lot of different eyes and a lot of feedback. And I would just share that having those mechanisms in place has been a game changer for us. Mm -hmm. Great advice. I love that. I think there's so much wisdom in everything you've been saying. Of course, I agree with all of it. I I think it just makes so much sense in terms of how you approach not just learning and development, but the way we treat people in organization. And that listening, of course, is really the most fundamental and important interpersonal skill that somebody can develop over time. So I'm glad you emphasize that. So Will, please share, how can people learn more about you, connect with you, and Find out more about what you're doing at GoDaddy. Yes. Well, if you want a um, just a barrage of videos and content from me, just follow me on LinkedIn. I used to work there, as you know. And so super fan of that product and what it does and the connectivity around that. So great place to catch up with me. Please connect with me if you're watching or listening to this. I would love to uh, to keep the conversation going. And Meredith, I have to say, you're a star. It's just been a pleasure to, to learn from you. Uh, be in proximity with you and just spend this this time. I'm very grateful. Oh, thank you, Will. Well, I just want you to know how much I admire what you're doing there at GoDaddy and the impact that you're having. I love the stories that you shared. I know there are many dozens more or even hundreds that you haven't had a chance to go into today, but I feel your your passion and commitment and your love 
for your work and for the people you get to work with. They are lucky to get to um, experience you also. So thank you for being with me today. And I'm excited about staying in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com and check out our two books, Connect With Your Team and Peer Coaching Made Simple. While you're there, download the free facilitator guide to find out how to implement our unique peer coaching system. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.